<laughs> Yo, you're right, Ozzy. <laughs> I've been watching the. Uh, have you seen the the latest one where they're playing like the 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 Gen X versus Boomer slang thing? I've seen some clips of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's hilarious. What what does based mean? Jizz. <laughs> No, <laughs> based. Base means you based in Turkey. <laughs> it's <just> fucking incredible. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, some of those, some of the 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 hip terms are a little confusing at first, and then it seems like as soon as I figure them out, nobody's saying them anymore, and I'm just like, all right, whatever. <laughs> whatever. To be fair, that was me throughout throughout high school. If anything, I'm actually more down with the kids than i ever have been like ironically <laughs> this motherfucker hits 25 and finally gets it i have to take this off it's, it's too warm in Woo! here all right Damn. ladies and gentlemen the show has started the gun show has started break the silence. <laughs> <laughs> we're, 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 already, we're already going cranked and ranked is is, is going this is we we don't fuck around anymore. Uh, well, I guess we do. We do. There's a lot of fucking around. Let's be fair. But um, <laughs> this is cranked and ranked, and this is Aussie Part Two, the conclusion of the Aussie Osborne saga. That's not really a saga. It's two episodes. But um, anyway, um, this is, is two parts. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> thank you all for being here. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm old head. That's Eddie Sparks. Who? Oh, I mean, I mean, that's... <laughs> I can't Ozzie, keep this up. That's Ozzy Sparks born. It's, it's, all, it's all out of love and respect for the... No, for yeah, the I mean, it, I think everybody has done an Ozzy impression at some point in their life just because sometimes it's kind of fun, but... Mm. You know. Anyway, um You're fucking crazy. <laughs> <laughs> look at my look at my, my new shirt. Oh nice. Because I, I saw Dangerous Toys last night. Uh oh. yeah, and uh that that was fun. That was it was a fun show. I and I and I got to I, I got to hang out with uh Jason McMaster for a little bit before the show. Nice. So that was that was kind of cool because like you know. I don't like to bother people like, you know, I, you know, Jason and I have, have, have messaged on and off and we did the interview on my channel together, but you know, really like I'm, I'm the kind of person that if I know you, I'll come over and I'll be like, Hey, good to see you. And then I'll start to like craft my exit, you know, mm. kind of like uh kind of like, cool. Well, you know, hope you have a great show. I'm gonna go get a beer, you know. I'll, you know, but but for some reason, like immediately, uh, Jason was very engaging, and then I just wound up hanging out with him through an entire band, and we just talked about shit. And I kept having to step out of the way because people wanted to come get autographs and and photos and stuff. And I was just like, yeah, I'm not gonna be that other dude in the picture. Please let me get out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> I once met Gordon Ramsay completely in the wild. Yeah, um, you've told me this before. That's yeah. yeah. How did in, that case any, in case anybody's unfamiliar with this story, I, I used to work in uh, in a supermarket, and basically, it so happened to be one that Gordon Ramsay tends to frequent 
because, you know, I'd heard from people, hey, did you know Gordon Ramsay's in here? But I hadn't seen him up to that point. You know, I'd, and I'd hear stuff like, oh, Gordon was in again uh, until one fateful day, not long ago, actually, probably in the last like two years, if I remember right. I'm just minding my own business, stacking the shelves. And I wasn't actually in my area. It was just mm -hmm. fate. And if I remember right, you know, he asked me, um, excuse me, like, where is this very specific, you know, thing? And I was like, oh, well, let me help you there. And, you know, I, for, the, for the first five seconds, it was like, oh, hi, it's a customer. I'll be pleasant. I'm, I recognize this. Oh, my God, it's Gordon fucking Ramsay. Yeah. And it's just like, it's one of those, you know, I, I was very respectful and I treated him like a human being. I didn't, I didn't have a complete yeah. spaz out, but you know, I did, I did say at the, at the end, it was cool to meet him, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Dude, the, one of the funniest things, my memories about like celebrity was my, my very first job was working at Best Buy in the music department. And um, so this would have been probably around 97 ish. Um, when this happened, uh, I remember just being at the store, and all of a sudden, there's all these this rumbling of like, oh, 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 oh they're all oh, they're in the store. Oh, they're in the store. They're in the store. And I'm just so this is '97, so I'm uh, 19 years old at this point, I think. Yeah, that'd be, that's, that's math. And um, and I just remember like going around like, who the fuck is here? And then somebody turns to me and goes, Diane Keaton is here. And I'm just like. <laughs> fuck cares <laughs> and i just walk up and like she was she was at customer service and i remember peeking over and she literally just dresses like she does in all her movies like a real raggedy old lady kind of thing and i was just like who the fuck gets starstruck over diane keaton i'm like that's <laughs> anyway uh so that wasn't that wasn't a very fun moment that was more of just like a okay i mean i guess i mean she's famous sure but you know that's not that's not that fun. Anyway. Andrew Ridgely also used to frequent that store. Who? The other the Andrew Ridgely? He's, oh, he's the other half of one. Yeah. Wham. You you've said that before too. I I, yeah. I I yeah. Um and I can't remember I, who who it was, but I remember it was either it was either the dude from Spandau Ballet or the dude from Duran Duran. I can't remember specifically which. Hell, they could have both been through there, but um Nostalgia, yeah, music nostalgia in Truro. Yeah, um, yeah, that's a that's a cool yeah, record. But shot. yeah, Dan Dangerous Toys were great. They sounded amazing last mm. night, and uh, and I had a blast. So did uh, you did you nail syllable for syllable the? I I just listened to to Jason do it. Nice. Um, Although they, although when they did that song, they did he did stop and have the whole crowd yell the man. I think I got the wrong house. house. Like everybody, everybody <laughs> anyway, Holly, it is not the time for that. <laughs> All right. Anyway, uh, that's she's that with that. You know, that's like the sound to let us know. Fucking move on. But anyway, that's yeah. you know that's our we, we we do our little like what's going on in our lives, and and I have to do that because I rarely ever do anything. And so when I do, I'm like, I gotta tell you, I went out into the world. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking get on with it and rank the albums. All right, so this is the top <laughs> the top seven. And if you uh, watched the last episode, you will know that the, the bottom six basically was everything 2000 and on. So now we're ranking 80s and 90s Aussie. Mm. And um, 
I literally did a last minute swapping like, like five minutes ago. Like Damn. I, there's a particular album that, that when I, when I first was just like looking at the tracks on the album, I went, Oh, this is fucking number one. And then as I started like putting it together, I go, ah, oh, okay. I guess I got to put this at number three. Cause it doesn't <laughs> seem right. And then now I'm like fucking number two, number two. It's just, <laughs> like, it's just, uh, it's, it's, it, got, it was a little bit tough. Cause I, I think these are all great albums. And um, so um, it's going to be, you know, a love fest and a, a lot of uh, there's a few where I just go, ah, I'm not 100 percent satisfied with my placement, but I think it 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 works. So, mm. uh, yeah, the the top seven. So let's do it. Let's 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 get this shit on the road um, on the uh, let's get this crazy train on the on the rails because it wouldn't be a, <laughs> it wouldn't be a crazy train if it was on the rails. It's like I'm staying on the rails on a normal train. <laughs> it's the acoustic version. Yeah. Um anyway, so yeah, so our, our top seven. So as usual, I'm gonna throw it over to Eddie Sparks to start us off with his number seven Aussie album. Okay, so my absolute middle. Ozzy Osbourne album is 1995's Osmosis. Same here. Boom. All hey, we already match matched up. up. Hey. Um, oh, wait, let's do wait. that. <laughs> Again, now, I did I've, some. I've had the I've had an update of some sort. Go so to the camera I'm, at the top and make go, sure the, the little green camera on the top right of your screen. Mm-hmm. Click on it and then Clicked make sure it. it's turned on. I all, all I have is uh, a little version of me in the top right now. Uh-huh. Uh, it says mic mode, standard, or voice isolation. Uh-huh. Uh, I got... Doesn't I got say fuck all face, else. FaceTime HD camera. Doesn't say that? Nah. All right, well, I don't... You're going to have to do some more digging, sir. I can't... I'm not going to... I'm not going to, to uh, be your tech support right now, so... That's Okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Os- Osmosis is the uh, is our joint number seven. Yeah, and it, it lands here because it's it's kind of half really really good and mm-hmm. half kind of filler stuff in there in between. It is a mid nineties album. It's you know it's a moodier affair. Yeah, uh, and it's long. It is quite a long album. Yeah. Uh, clocking in at about 57 minutes with that's, in total 12 songs. That's probably like, my my biggest gripe about the album is that and and I and I in my opinion the last couple songs are like two of the the least good on the album. So it's hmm. just like the album kind of peters out and I'm just like okay. <laughs> oh, are you going off of the um the 10 track version as opposed to the uh, what I'm now realizing is the 2002 reissue version. Uh, I don't know which wh- wh- whatever one I listened to. D- does um, it finish with Old LA tonight or Amy? Yeah, Old Old LA. Ah, okay. Well, well, the the, what, the version I listened to clocks in almost 70 minutes. So, oh, okay. Uh, but that's how I've always known it. That being okay. said, that being said, though, I think in some cases on this album i actually feel like the the second half 
has some very high highs. Yeah, um, yeah. I feel I feel like initially uh, th- this album and I have a rocky history because I bought it after I heard the song Perry Mason, and I mm-hmm. also heard I also heard See You on the Other Side, and I really liked both of those songs. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, I heard that I Just Want You was like the big song from this album, but I I never really got the hype with that one as much so i if i remember right over here in the states on mtv the one that i saw all the time was see you on the other side that was the one that and that i saw the video so many times i just want you was was a big one too but um not not so much perry mason although it was it was out there yeah i i perry mason I feel like the the, um, the unfortunate thing here is this album's best song is its opening track. Oh, I, I don't. I, I'm not even. I'm not a fan of Perry Mason. I think it's. Pretty, are you not? Yeah, it's pretty. I don't think it's very good. kind of yeah. Mostly, it's just the. I don't know what it is. It's a little. It's probably because I didn't when it came out, and even now, I'm like, why? Like, <laughs> why? Perry Mason, like even in 95, nobody was fucking talking about Perry Mason. <laughs> and and I, I wonder how many people even know that it's about like a TV character, you know? And so, um, I don't know. I just, it's always seemed very like an odd opener and the, the riff isn't cool enough to carry the oddness of the song, but that's just, that's just me. Fair. I, I, I quite like it for its groove. That yeah. like, dun, 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 dun. yeah. Granted, with the with the, I mean, looking back now, it's it's very standard of the of the Zach Wild we've come to know a, a lot more in yeah. recent years. Like he he definitely there was like a transition on this album towards. Uh, less on melodic riffs and more on groove focus riffs and this is yeah. i mean you're talking this is the year after far beyond driven came out so they have three groove metal um well they've got three pantera albums out at this point so he's definitely he's three def- yeah only three yeah. well well <laughs> the, the, by, by that i meant groove metal pantera i'm not, yeah yeah, yeah. I, I committed uh, one of my own sins, and that's ignoring the first four Pantera albums. Yeah, but but to be um, to be fair, those nobody was talking about those at the time. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of like Chuck Mosley, Faith No More, and Mike Patton, Faith No More. Same band doing something very different. But, yeah, like uh, for for me, this album I think suffers from a bit of a sequencing issue. I think a lot of the a lot yeah. of the placements of the songs affect the the runtime in a bit of a negative way. I think if you're going to open with Perry Mason and then follow up with I Just Want You, I I really am not a fan of putting a ballad on track two because it just sucks oh, the momentum out. But I but I love I Just Want You is such a great song. Yeah, yeah. I, ju- I just don't think track two in a running order is, is the best place to put a ballad, you know? Yeah, 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 I think you're. I think you're probably right. You know, want to know? Like, I'm gonna let you in in on a little uh, part of my brain. Um, I'm. I. I won't go into it. There'll be another time where I'm gonna bring up this big thing of of my life in my brain. But I often 
when a song gets stuck in my head, I come up with a way to like make myself laugh at it or fuck with it somehow. Uh, <laughs> and so every time I just want you gets in my brain, I always start singing to myself. There are no unsingable songs. There are no undingable dongs. And I just, <laughs> <laughs> and I know that literally it doesn't mean anything, but it makes me giggle. And for some reason, taking the piss out of a song makes it disappear from my head. And then I go, okay, cool. <laughs> so if, if anybody has, has an issue with earworms, try that, like take the lyrics and fuck with them and make yourself laugh and then just move on with your life. And then all of a sudden that's gone. Speaking of like little life hacks like that, I found out recently, if you stand up too fast, you ever stood up too fast and, and you feel kind of faint, I mean, not anymore because my knees won't let me stand up fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, I found out recently from a from a Reddit post or something that was circulating. And if you squeeze, if you like clench your butt cheeks, it goes away immediately. And I tried it and it works. Okay. It's really weird. <laughs> so, I, so I squeeze your butt cheeks and it goes away. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I keep getting arrested. I'm just trying to help people. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, anyway, yeah. I just, I just, I think, I just want you as great. But you, but you're, but you have a point. Like, there's, there's a point in the out, but close to the end when that "My Little Man" song comes on. That seems like it's supposed to be the end of the album, and then there's just two more songs. And I'm always just like, yeah, there was, they, they were very odd with the sequencing of the album, and I don't, I don't quite get it, but. I don't know. I'm seeing here that uh, My Little Man was co-wrote with Steve Vai. Pretty cool. Oh, wonderful. Mm. So, yeah, basically, it's a it's a cool album, but it, it's it's definitely got its um, it's got its flaws. One of those being the songs. I, I think the songs are a bit longer than maybe they need to be. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any song on this album. Much shorter than the five minute mark, and many of them exceed the six minute mark. And I think if you're gonna if you're gonna do that, you need to sequence it right. And I yeah. I just don't think this album was sequenced in 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 a way that really showed its strengths. Yeah, yeah, that that's one of my biggest gripes. But also, I don't really like the production either. And I don't know if it's hmm. if the, if it's a remaster or something because I haven't I never I don't really remember. But listening to Osmosis following No More Tears, I'm just like, holy yeah. shit, it's, it feels very compressed. And um, not like some of the songs feel like they need to feel huge and they don't. They're heavy, but they're more like a compact heavy, which I guess was what people were starting to do in, in 95 anyway. But yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an unfortunate thing because like No More Tears sounds so good, even now. Like yeah. there's. There's an ambience to it, but it's thick, crisp, and weighty. Yeah. This, this to me, it, it, here's something. Here's why for me the '90s are very split in half. I like the early '90s big ambient mix. I'm not a fan of when everybody was like, "Ah, oh, reverb, icky." Yeah. Everything needs to be completely dead, and and not even not even like '70s dead, where it's like just the vibe and the nature of what was happening. It was like a deliberate, fuck that. Yeah. We're not, we're not, you know, we never did that, <laughs> you know? And I yeah. just, I, 
I would agree. I think the production of this album is pretty bland. Um, yeah. it, and, I, and I think that's another thing that affects it. But Shining Through are some really good songs. Yeah, that's the one thing I've always really enjoyed about this album is it is it this is a point where you you can tell that Ozzy is always trying to grow as yeah. like a singer and songwriter and just like what he what stuff he does and he's not afraid to do really melodic not very metal sounding songs but then at the yeah. same time he does some really heavy shit um and I think that's important because it's there's so you know as as we know uh, a lot of metal especially these days has lost dynamics um in the, yeah. in the terms of an album journey um mm. and it's just because like one song is heavy and it's fast and the other song is heavy and it's a little slower that doesn't that's not that's not really uh adding much scope to the experience but yeah. i like what ozzy was doing around this time i mean honestly he's always done that really like he's he still today throws in songs that hmm. are way more about the melodic part and not so much about the riff which is uh which is which is cool um but yeah i like I, this album I, I just want you and see you on the other side are my two favorites which is great which is weird because it's like they're they're both ballads essentially hmm. um but when it comes to heavy songs is it the is it thunder underground like that's the one that mm. I love because that it's heavy as fuck. Yeah. But but there's also just some, you know, not bad, but just kind of forgettable songs. And um yeah. and I think overall the uh oh th- this is the one album that from Ozzy's pre 2000s career that I think didn't age that well mm. um overall. All the other ones have things about them that um I re I feel like they're still very enjoyable. And um, and even if they sound dated, they sound they they now sound dated in kind of a cool way. Uh, so I don't know, uh, but that's yeah. So that's that's also my number seven osmosis. Were, were, were we done there? I just sort of took over. Yeah, that's okay. I mean, to be fair, when we match up, that happens. So I, I guess yeah. we can keep going. We can keep keep carrying on. Uh, yeah, so. I'm curious. I'm curious to see how our lists will differ from this point on. Okay, so this is where I would say. I enter the hot take zone. Oh, and and, you know, I I want it noted that this is not. I'm going to come out right now and say it's a Randy album. Oh, okay. Um, That that doesn't mean I don't like it. I mean, it's still a top six. So, yeah, absolutely. This is where the true love fest begins, because. This is one of those where any given day it can move like one or two places, but it's just, I it's just I, I'm, I'm just anticipating it. You're talking. I'm just like, which, cause there's one Randy Rhodes album that if it's here, I go, I can see that the other one I go, come on, man. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, oof, I, I'm wondering what you're going to think. Uh, I've gone with blizzard of Oz. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'm. I'm. Yeah. I'm. I. This is. It's an iconic album, but I. I can understand it not being as high. I. I feel very much of the mindset that had, had Randy lived, mm-hmm. I think, this is the place it would end up anyway, 
to to an extent because I definitely feel like the jump from this to Diary mm-hmm. huge was, was seismic and over yeah. the span of what a year yeah like like in a single year and he was an incredible guitar player a lot of my complaints with this album again are production related now for as much of an 80s fan as i am the 80s hadn't quite figured it out yet and this is like right at the start of the 80s it's a 1980 album it was recorded in march of that year and came out the september and really i i feel like Randy Rhodes on this album is like one of the greatest players to have a tone that grating. You know, I mm-hmm. find the the production on this quite jagged, and it it's it's odd. It's always seemed very odd to me that if somebody played these songs and said, "Oh, these are demos," I would have been like, "Ah, oh, yeah, I can see that," because it feels yeah. for a nineteen eighties album, it feels very dry and mm. not. There's not a lot of bells and whistles, and maybe that was on purpose. Uh, but yeah, it's 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 always been very interesting that an album with with such iconic songs and iconic guitar playing on it has such a n- not. It feels not quite produced. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I've I've it's far from the best sounding Aussie album, and yeah. I feel like. I feel like sonically Randy came into his own on diary and Mm -hmm. it's a bummer that his life got snuffed out as soon as it did. I mean, I'm the same age as he was when he passed away. That's fucking crazy to me. Like 25. I mean, what a shame, you know, and as much as I love Jakey Lee and Zach Wilde, you know, it's a bummer that he went out the way he did. Um, Yeah, but absolutely. I mean, yeah, I mean, you look at the track list, though. I mean, I don't know. Crazy Train, Goodbye to Romance, you got the little thing, D. Suicide Solution, Mr. Crowley, No Bone Movies, Revelation Mother... Oh, Revelation, Mother Earth, Steal Away, The Night. Um, you got a, you got a brackets double bill there, the old parentheses, yeah. the parallel parentheses. Uh, and I love... I know I'm not talking about this album yet, but since you... But when you say the, say the name steal away the night that riff immediately goes into my head and that is a party starter riff that whole rat riff that starts that song off i'm always just like oh fuck i want to be in a camaro and like yeah yeah it's just so it's so fucking good yeah dude it's absolutely it's a it's a fantastic album Mm -hmm. but for me the production really knocks it down um several spots because for for me when i think when i think ozzy osbourne i think 80s you know and i and i want that you know that reverb and delay drenched you know vice city vibe going on you know i Mm -hmm. I, i'm i'm yeah i i like ozzy more and more as he progressed into the 80s Um, yeah yeah and some albums more than others, but I'll mm-hmm. I'll get to that. That being said, you know uh, my hot take being Blizzard of Oz. Uh, I'm I'm glad I could get that off my chest today. I think it's great. Uh, I don't think it's as great as subsequent albums. So yeah. over over to you. 
I, I have a feeling this one's going to be higher up on your list than it is for me. But um, I, I don't. I really like you said. This, this is the love zone. I don't have any real gripes about any album from this point on. Uh, my number six is No Rest for the Wicked from 1988. Okay. Uh, first one was Zach Wild. Definitely a step up in like the heaviness and energy. Like that's the one thing about No Rest for the Wicked is it sounds like dudes having a good time making rock music. Like there's a there's a really good energy to this album. Uh, my problem is not all the songs are really amazing songs. Like you're 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 there's no even the singles they're not like I wouldn't call them iconic Aussie songs. They're just good Aussie songs. And um, well, I don't know if this was a single, but it does have breaking all the rules, and I love that one. Banger. Yeah, it's a banger. But I mean, at the same time, I love Miracle Man and I love Crazy Babies. Those are really fun and enjoyable songs, but they they're not each album prior to this has like one or two like where I would put them as iconic tier. Aussie songs. This album, I could maybe breaking all the rules would go there, but um, for the most part, it's uh, it it's it's Aussie in the eighties, so I fucking enjoy it. But because of you know hindsight, because no more tears comes next, no rest sounds transitional to me. Like he's got a mm. new guitar player. And he's fucking great. The energy is great. The songwriting, you know, they're 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 getting their shit together. But it, it really feels like this is a really good album for a, a group of dudes that are about to make a fucking banger of an album. And so, um, even though I love it, it's it, it it had to go at number six just because it has the least amount of things that I'm just like fuck yeah, you know, in the album. Um, so yeah, that's my number my number six is no rest for the wicked. Okay. Cool, so that brings me to my number five. Mm-hmm. Hold up, wait a, wait a sec. Hold up. Hey. Hold up. Smoke weed every day. There it is, Bark at the Moon is my oh. number five. All right, Bark at the Moon. Cool. So yeah, I, that, one of one of my favorite drum intros to a song ever mm. is a uh, over no not no is it what am I thinking of? It's not Bark at the Moon. That's over the mountain that has that drum fill. I'm getting my brain my brains off. Yeah, that's over the mountain. What's the beginning yeah. of Bark at the Moon? Oh, it's a that's still a, that's still a good intro. That's a good intro. Yeah. The the video for that song is one of the one of the greats. It's great. I love like, I love that video. Carmine of Peace just going just, like, yeah, just yeah. him looking at the fucking camera. <laughs> yeah. It's so good. Um, yeah, uh, man, I I miss that. I I miss the you know, you know. I know it's. People would say it's kind of cringy now. I I miss that. I miss the yeah. genuine, just overly macho in the music video approach. I, I think if you're gonna do metal, well, I mean, fucking sell it, dude. Like, yeah, I just I I think there was a there was a a fun 
quirkiness to it at the same time. Because we, we you still got your macho-ness in music now. It's just taken way too seriously. Yeah. Um, and it's it's not it's not fun at all. No. But eight is just like a fun macho, you know? Yeah. Now it's like, you think you're better than me? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then there's yeah. a breakdown. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so uh, bark at t- moon. The moon, yeah. Yes, um, it's a cool album. It's the first with Jakey Lee, mm-hmm. and he had big shoes to fill. Yeah, and um, you know, it, it comes right out of the gate with bark at the moon, which is an incredible song. Yeah, um, which also happens to appear on on GTA Vice City. And, uh, oh, I have nice. I have many I have many a good memory pissing off the Miami cops to that song. You uh, know, I'm, it's a, get ready for a tangent. I apologize for this, real quick. Okay. Um, it, it just it, it popped up in my brain. My uh, my wife and I have now started rewatching. Well, I've re, I'm rewatching Miami Vice. Yeah, and, baby. Because um, they now because <laughs> over here they now have it on this thing on Amazon called Freebie. Where it's like you can watch stuff, but there's like little commercials, and I'm like, whatever, I don't care. It's I can watch it for free. I don't have to pay. Well, I mean, it's free with with Amazon or whatever. But anyway, so but we've only watched the the big old pilot and the second mm. episode, and I'm loving the fuck out of it I, more than I thought I was going to. But I was really surprised at how dark the ending of both of those, because like the yeah. first the first pilot. Tubbs is trying to go after the guy that was that killed his brother, and at the end, mm. the motherfucker just gets away. Second episode, you have Ed, o- Ed O'Neill is a undercover FBI guy who just gets really wrapped up in being a drug, a fake drug dealer that he he can't he can't cope with with getting back. At the end of it, they say, "Oh, you know, he couldn't he couldn't stand going back to his regular life, so he hung himself." I was like, holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> these are, how do, I don't remember these having such for 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 a fucking show where a, a dude just has a pet alligator on a boat. It, it, there are, are those are two very dark endings to a cop show in the 80s. <laughs> the the beautiful thing about Miami Vice is they managed to dress up this gritty cop show with like yeah. very dark subject matter. Like uh-huh. like there are episodes that tackle very dark shit. But yeah. they dress it up in so many pastels that it just—it's such a fucking vibe from start yeah. to finish. Yeah, you know? I was because I haven't watched an episode of Miami Vice since I was a kid when the show was mm. on. Wow, and, and and I did not because I didn't know anything about acting or movies or fucking or TV or anything, whatever. But watching it now, I'm just like, man, the the acting for the most part is really good. Like yeah, they weren't fucking around from from the word go. And I'm just like, so it's making me very excited because I'm like, all right, we're in for this. We're going to watch all Miami Vice. Then we're going to watch the movie that they did in the early 2000s or whatever. Um, yeah, I, I've um, seen I've seen the first two seasons and most of the third. I have the box set here somewhere. Yeah. And one summer I got really, really, really into Synthwave. And mm-hmm. that yeah. was the, like the summer in between um college you know it's technically this the last two last two years of high school over here yeah. um college and then uni when i went to uni 
there was um, like an 80s party, like really early on in the year. And I thought to myself, holy shit, I can go as um, Sonny Crockett. And I went from the white suit with the like pink pastel Mm t-shirt, white trousers, all the way down to the fucking loafers with no socks. And I went in there and I was just, I was just killing it, you know, albeit a long haired Oh yeah, yeah. You, you, and and you know what that that, that in that pilot, I I would think one of the most iconic moments in television is the the in the close to the end of that pilot where Crockett and Tubbs are in the car heading out to what's supposed to be the final showdown, and it's Phil Collins in the air tonight yeah. playing. I'm just like, oh, this is this is fucking heavy. This is too. Yeah. This is like. Like I mean, at the time, I, I'm, I'm assuming they probably knew. Ah, this is pretty fucking cool. But the fact that it's like four, forty years later or whatever we're talking Shit. now, and it's still it is forty years. It's 1984. Um, forty years later, and I'm just like, holy shit, man! They 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 nailed that little that scene. And that's the coolest thing is that is that every episode has that or or so far um, has that part where they're try- I guess they're showcasing a new song. And yeah. so there's like a montage or something going on while you're hearing Cindy Lauper or somebody else, you know, and I'm just like, that's pretty yeah. great. I'm looking forward oh, to this. Anyway, I'll, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do I'll do Miami Vice updates every, every episode now. <laughs> I, I was going to say either that or whatever fire Jan Hammer had cooked up at that time. Oh, yeah. The, the, the like, you know, the, the songs that they used were great, but the soundtrack to that show, too. Yeah. So good. Also, I was, I was, I, I, I've gotten to know a certain version of the theme song so well that in these first two episodes, there's no guitar solo over yeah. the theme song. And it's I was absolute, like, where's the, where's the guitar solo? I mean, it's so yeah. cool. But it shows up around like episode five. Yeah. yeah. If I remember uh, right. Yeah. That, and it just makes me want to go, I'm going to pretty soon go on Discogs and look for it. Cause when I was a kid, I had the 12 inch maxi single of the Miami Vice theme. Yeah. And it has like an eight minute version on one side of it. And I'm just like, yeah, I got to get that again now. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think the most overtly 1980s item I own in this house is a is a cassette of the Miami Vice soundtrack. Yeah. And yeah. I'm so, you know I'm, the- so, I'm so excited about this right now that I will not put it past me if by the time we've finished Miami Vice, I have the soundtrack on vinyl along with Don Johnson and Philip Michael Thomas's albums on vinyl just because I'm all, I'm just, I'm in the, I'm in the vibe right now. I'm feeling it. So. Dude. And while I've got a chance to tie it back, um, this is a fun little segue. Heartbeat by Don Johnson is in the soundtrack to GTA five. So it's on the, it's on the yacht rock station. Yeah. Nice. That's which, a fucking which, great song too. Which, which brings us back back <laughs> into uh, it was a connection with Ozzy and GTA, and then Don Johnson, Don's Johnson, um, hey. in G- <laughs> Don Johnson. Am I Dong right? Jo- hey. Oh yeah, that's his poor yeah. name, Don Johnson. Why is there not is somebody out there? Two nicknames in a row, dude. Get <laughs> <laughs> a two for one. Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, uh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, um this this album again, um again is it's it's peppered with with greatness, but again it's a sequencing issue for me. You bark at the moon right into you're no different 
I feel like now you see it, now you don't, should have been like the other way around or had it followed up with Rock and Roll Rebel. But, yeah. I mean, all the all of those songs are great. Yeah. One of my favorite Aussie songs, super underrated in my opinion, is Slow Down. That is such oh. a... Yeah. That is such an upbeat, happy, AOR goodness yeah. song. Um, and I, I fucking love it. That might be, next to Bark at the Moon, my favorite song on the album. Definitely my favorite on side B. Um, but Waiting for Darkness as well. Such a good, such a good fucking song. Oh, I'm realizing now that actually um, there are two different versions of this album. and They're sequenced completely differently. Mm-hmm. Um why do they got to do this? Why you why you motherfuckers got to fuck with your albums? Because I'm now I'm all like, which one was I listening to? Oh fuck the European version, man! Holy shit, doesn't even have slow down on it. Fuck that! I hate that. I hate when albums are always changed up. You know what? The amount of different versions of uh, yeah. 1987 by White Snake. I don't know which version's which because every copy I have, I've, I've got like three. They're yeah. all different running orders. You know, it's like, <clears throat> I mean, <laughs> I, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I just have, I have a, 19, a, a US 1987 one, and I'm just like, this sequencing is fine for that White Snake album. So, yeah. I but then we, all, though, same with same with my with my bark at the moon. I it, my it's it, it's as similar as what you're what you're the order you're talking about is on that. So yeah, well, I'm gonna send you the uh, bark at the moon wiki article because it has both versions of the album art, and I will say, even though the U.S. Both versions, yeah, that um, I actually prefer the look of the European cover. Oh yeah, I. So here's the thing. The 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 European cover is fine, but I love man, I love the yellow and red Aussie logo. Yeah, I I just feel like for this album, I I I really like that blue, you know? Yeah. And I know I know it might not stand out as much against the but uh, but I think it it has a certain vibe. This album yeah. to me just it sounds like a blue album. <laughs> I can't yeah, quite describe. Yeah. You know. yeah, you're right. You're right. It's a, yeah. I mean, either way it works, but you know. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think maybe the 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 US version is more striking with those with the red on that, but yeah. either way, the US got the fucking track order in the right order. And uh yeah. It, the, the album definitely marked a, a change to like kind of a synth infused thing, which I enjoy. Yeah. Um, you know, m- most notably on songs like Waiting for Darkness. I mean, I love that. Love that song. Super cool. But yeah, all, all in all, this song, this album is a, is a, is a good one. It's mm-hmm. a good 80s metal album. Yeah. It's got, it's got its, it's got its lower moments and it's got its high moments, but I think it's it's one of the more underrated 80s metal albums. Yeah. Cool. I would agree. Um, that's not my number five. My number five, uh, we're kind of going backwards here. The Ultimate Sin from 1986 is my number five. Cool. Which, th- this one is, is interesting because um, if I was kind of judging albums simply on the sound and the vibe, this would be higher uh, because Mm. I love the way this album sounds. 
the production is is great. The this is my favorite Ozzy album cover because yeah. it's just so 80s metal of like what the fuck he's he's some sort of weird creature and there's just a lady that yeah that, is standing a, there that has it, like weird eyes <laughs> they, they appear to be in some sort of viscous hellscape um yeah. you know of, of lava there is a nuclear explosion happening in the background yeah. everything's very orange and fiery there's a smoking hot evil vampire chick with like um zebra or tiger print skin tight <laughs> leggings going on and a, and, a, yeah. and a flowing blouse meanwhile you've got ozzy as a dragon with his blonde hair and his wings and he's just like ah yeah. fucking crazy it, i don't yeah. know why he didn't do album covers like this more this is like i know i know they, it, he probably looks back on it and thinks it's silly but i'm like nah it's fucking it's great it's such a it's it's an album cover you just grab and you look at while the album's playing and it's uh but but i i I love this album i just think that breaking it down and listening to this all all of the songwriting um i feel like it's a step down from what they did with bark at the moon Mm um but everything else about it i love I enjoy the hell out of this album. And I and Shot in the Dark is one of my favorite Aussie songs. Um, even if, you know, it's there's always there's always been so that's the one thing that I didn't I I didn't know a lot about all of the drama involving <clears throat> songwriters with Aussie. Uh, because every from what I gather, it's in the 80s at least, in the 80s, Aussie would write songs with people who were in the band. And then when it came time for the album to come out, Sharon would come and be like, yeah, you guys don't get any credit. And I'm just like, why was he okay with that? <laughs> you know, that, that kind of bums me out because I'm just, cause now it's different. If you go to his more recent albums, I think that it, it clearly states like who all wrote the songs, but, um, and I know it's a money thing or whatever, but that's kind of bums me out about his 80s stuff is I'm always just like, why not just give the, I don't understand having that kind of attitude of, Oh, these people wrote the song with me, but I'm the star. So I'm not going to give them any credit. I'm like, no, that's complete bullshit. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm not going to bl- really blame Ozzy because Ozzy seems like a dude that didn't want to deal with the business side. And that's why and one of the reasons why he and Sharon work so well together. Cause yeah. he's like, he's just the artist, the kooky artist guy. And she's the one handling everything. He's just like, well, look, whatever my wife, says you know she's doing it and so she's probably the shithead who's just like no ozzy gets all the money and whatever i mean you could say she's just being a good wife i guess but um but shot in the dark was one with like you know there's a i think it was primarily written by another dude i don't know who who it was that wrote it um but but somebody in the band i believe and um and but it's still a fucking amazing song and i think part of what makes it amazing is not just the songwriting, but just Ozzy's vocal performance. And it. it's like, it's very iconic and brings you back to the eighties, yeah. you know, big time. So anyway, uh, ultimate sins, great, great album cover, great production for, for the time. It, it sounds very eighties and pl- that this one on vinyl is just sounds so good. Yeah. That uh, I, I love it, but really like comparing it to the, to the four albums that came before it. Well, four and one later, um, 
it, I just was like, yeah, I guess the songwriting's not quite there, but um, but it's still great. So that's my number five. Tell you what, what while while we're on the subject, it's it's um, it's my number four. So I'll just go straight oh. off of what you were saying. Nice. Um, I, I'm just going to say this now about the artwork. That album cover is up there with Painkiller and Trilogy by Ingve Malmsteen's Rising Force. It's <laughs> yeah. like one of the most overtly over-the-top metal album covers of all time. Yeah. <clears throat> That's what I, I mean. I there, there are so many people today, like there are a lot of artists doing really great album art in the world of, you know, a, a lot of it in like death metal and a little bit in thrash metal and stuff. But um, I just, somebody, I, I want, I want people to start doing just completely fucking weird and out there artwork, not with AI, somebody painting it. Oh, while we're on the subject of that as well, have you seen recently the most, the most recent um, AI advancements in like AI generated video? No, Dude. I don't, I don't know. It's fucking frightening. I know we talked about this shit recently, but let, let, hang on. Yeah. Sora, open AI. Okay, dude. Uh, where is it? Okay, I'm going to send you this video right now. Oh, okay. All right. This is and another, another I, I little want a, tangent for you guys. I want a real-time reaction to this shit. Okay. I'm going to tell, tell you to go to a certain point in this video or when, okay. when it's... Let me let me just fucking ads. My God, I never get this many ads <laughs> when I, you know, I'm just farting around. Okay, I want you to go to about. Wait, wait, did you send it to me? Okay, hang on. Um, I want you to go to about twenty seconds in. Twenty seconds in. Right. Okay. All right. All they've all they have done is fed it text. Yeah. All right. Hold on. And. Go to about 20 seconds in. It says, a litter of golden retriever puppies playing in the snow. Their heads pop out of the snow. Okay. Okay, you ready? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm almost there. You got ads? Oh, here we go. Litter of golden retriever puppies. What? That is not real. It's not real. It's, it's AI-generated video. So... It's learning too fast. But here's the here's the thing that maybe I don't. I mean that that's that's part dope. That's part fantastic. Part I don't know how I feel about that. But um, I I see no positives here. This is only going to cost jobs, <laughs> man. Well, the the like, thing the thing that because I've I've been fucking around with AI like image generator and stuff, and it's actually kind of fun. But every time it does it, I start to think to myself. It has to be pulling things from somewhere. It learned from something, and I think the what the what we're going to run into is you're going to start realizing it's learning from other people's art. Yeah, yeah. And it then it's like, well, do you owe them the money too? Because <clears throat> if you're if it literally is taking all these people's art, and you could literally say create an image of two puppies wrestling in the snow in the style of Van Gogh or whatever, and it would. We'll try to do that, but then yeah. I mean, obviously Van Gogh—that's a—that's a different thing. But it's just like you know, who gets the credit there? And sure, it's learning, but it's learning from things that, like, if that shit didn't already exist, what would it be learning from? Hmm. Wow. So I, it's 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 weird because I'm just like, 
I, I just think it's going to make people lazy. Like in the fucking, in the respect of like they, the, the recently announced new uh, Deicide album and the album cover is obviously AI generated. Oh um, shit. I haven't seen this. Uh, it's not, it's just not good, but it just looks like an AI generated album cover. I don't know what the album is called, but it's just a weird sort of nondescript beast head kind of thing. And it's yeah. just, it's real lame. I think, I, I think we're, we're, we're getting to a stage now where you can pretty much, you, you know, that old phrase seeing is believing you, you can pretty much render that extinct. Like yeah. if, if we're, get, if we're getting to the point now, I mean, I mean, of course you could argue that the day Photoshop showed up that you could, disregard seeing is believing but at least with like at least with video you'd have to go real real hard to do a convincing fake video nowadays you can generate fucking cctv of someone getting their ass beat yeah bring that to a courtroom and yeah yeah this is something is gonna have to happen if it's getting this good just because and i and i don't think it's gonna it's going to have to be the, I think the only way anything is going to combat the, you know, the you know, AI people being shitheads with it is that everyone's just going to have to turn away from it and just be like, nah, let's not do that. Because mm. how, how soon is it going to be before there's a news story that says um, artist who claims he painted painting that sold for $5 million actually AI generated like, you know, but at the end of the day, it's it's still art. It was it, it, well. What are you paying for? So does it matter? And so once it gets to that that level of just like, well, what what what's art? What what are you supposed to be appreciating, and what are you not supposed to be appreciating? Um, and, but I, I just don't. It's just gonna. I think it's gonna cause a lot of problems. And yeah. the only the only thing that's going to be able to to help us get away from those problems is we are going to have to be like, nah, let's not do any more AI. Yeah, um, Johnny Five's getting a little too alive out here. Yeah, <laughs> but that that being said, I've been fucking around with AI and it's fun. And it, it I mean, is it's it's, it's that, so I can't I don't know who, who 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 knows. I too have have dipped my toe into the Pandora's box of yeah. AI. You know, I attempted to have ChatGPT um, like write out all the track lists for me, that, so that I could just copy and paste it over to Google Docs, uh, mm-hmm. and then just have all of them there, so I could just do a track by track note for everything. But it got about halfway through the track lists, and then went, uh, "This might be in violation of some sort of copyright thing." And I was like, "Oh come on, oh, it's a fucking yeah. track list. Yeah, it's a track list. <laughs> you know? Yeah." Anyway, that was a that's, yeah. that that was a that was a timely tangent, but uh, but I but I am interested to to you know since we're talking about it now in 2024, you know, skip forward a year. Um yeah. Will will we will we now be talking about these crazy news stories where AI is being used in a, some sort of negative way either against somebody or for somebody to gain something that they don't necessarily deserve or whatever it's just a it's a it's it's it'll be fascinating to watch and possibly frightening 
Um, but also very cool. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so. it's, it's it's one of those double edged things, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. But I can, I can I, there's no way I see any positive of that like photorealistic video. I just, I just cannot fathom any ethical way at this point because you know corporations are just going to latch onto that and they're going to be like, yeah. right, well, we don't need anyone to make ads anymore. That's a bunch of people out of a job. So here's the thing: if they had kept, if they, if if, if they had stopped with AI, and there were still those, you know, like the weird pizza commercial one where everybody's hands are disappearing into the yeah, food, and someone's mouth is out here somehow. Now that that was a. I, I feel like, unfortunately, that was a short-lived thing. But yeah. I still go to those videos and I go, "This is so good. This is yeah. like this is what I want." But. Um, unfortunately, now it's going to become. Oh, it looks absolutely real. I'm like, well, that's not fun anymore. Why are there? Yeah. Why are? Why do they have the right number of fingers? I don't like that. Yeah. <laughs> why can I read that sign? That's yeah. supposed to be gibberish, you know? Yeah, yeah. But then again, it, you've got a whole other subset of people that don't even know this shit's AI, and like, you know, oh, who don't geez. know to who don't know to look for the for the signs, and you know, that could be down to age. That could be down to ignorance. But at the end of the day. There's a lot of people that believe the very first thing they see, and and it's a it's a scary prospect that this could be propagandized in some way, which oh, it, yeah. will be, it, w- it will be. It will be. It will be. Mark yeah. our words, ladies and gentlemen. It, it, it's not going to end well, but um, no. who knows? Who knows? Because because like, the same the same at the same time, you know, the 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 kind of technology that goes into that could end up being used to fucking cure cancer. And, you know, and so uh, if that, if, you know, if it leads to that and we have to deal with all this bullshit, then great. You know, that's, uh, you know, whatever. But I don't know. Sorry, that was, a, that was, a, that was definitely a tangent. This has been a tangenty yeah. episode. Like yeah, a, well. t- But uh, Pe- you're, oh, no, you're on, uh, you're on Bark, at, not Bark at the Moon, you're on um, Ultimate Sin. I am on the Ultimate Sin. And yeah, um, yeah it's, it's for want of a better word, Aussie's hair metal era. You know, he had the big curly blonde perm. He, yeah. he had the big glammy outfits. And even if the songs here are actually, you know, kind of darker than your standard hair metal affair. Yeah. It definitely has that vibe. And I love this album for that. You know, I, yeah. I am a I am a staunch defender and lover of the mid to late 80s hair metal era i just yeah. i just love it like but if also, i could but also but also ozzy was so that's that's the thing i always thought was interesting is that ozzy in certain ways seemed to be embracing the big hair aesthetic of the 80s but at the same time this tour is when he took out metallica yeah yeah and so who were the complete opposite of that and so that's why I think that that no matter what Ozzy was doing, you can't really say he's latching onto any trend. I think it was just nah. like he just was like, "Oh yeah, this seems cool. I'm gonna do this now." And it's just it has nothing to do with him following anything because he's fucking Ozzy. He just does what yeah. he wants. So I don't know, but yeah, it's a good, it's a fun era for sure. Absolutely. Like if I could permanently live in the shot in the dark video, like <laughs> that's a vibe, man. It's a fucking yeah. vibe. Um, Dude, there if I could just... live in a video, it would be Trickster, give it to me good. <laughs> yeah, that's a fucking good time. Just hanging with the dudes. 
angry with the dudes. Somehow there's water all in the back of the truck. And, yeah. and they're just playing football. I don't want to play football, but, you know, I want to hang out and have some brews with the trickster dudes because that just seems like a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that looked like a good time. Wearing, yeah. wearing my flannels. You know? <laughs> I tell you, one thing I, I particularly like about this album is that, like, the two big singles on it are actually on side B. And, like, yeah. It's, I mean, I know The Ultimate Sin was also a single, but, you know, you got Lightning Strikes and Shot in the Dark is such a good song. It's mm-hmm. such a good song. Um, yeah, top 10 hit on mainstream rock radio. I mean, they could have dropped Shot in the Dark alone and it would have just been great, but there's yeah. eight other songs here and it's good fun. Yeah. And you've got you've got some very Cold War of the era songs like thank god for the bomb killer of giants you know which are sadly becoming more relevant again um it's you know it's the circle of life or whatever i don't know when when i said i wanted the 80s back i didn't mean you know nuclear annihilation it wasn't what i had in mind where's all the where's all the all the perms where's that if we're going to incinerate ourselves, it should be for the fucking ozone layer, not with nukes, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. But, you know, overall, it clocks in about 40 minutes. It's a arena rock goodness. I love mm-hmm. it. It's a great, great, great time. Great 80s metal album. I really mm-hmm. like it. My number four, The Ultimate Sin. All right. So I think... Yeah, we, we still have a couple more chances to match up here, but my number four you already talked about, Bark at the Moon, okay. 1983, the, the introduction of uh, Jake E. Lee to the Ozzy Osbourne world. Um, so, I, I once again, I really enjoy this album, but it suffers a bit because it follows two undeniably iconic albums yeah and this one isn't well it it is but it doesn't it's not quite up to the same level um although the you know production's good uh and it's got some real strong songs on it of course but um it's it, it became very apparent the, the the while I was going through this the 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 strengths of what makes an Aussie album great and it's not just any one particular thing um because I mean Aussie's singing from the beginning of Sabbath through to you know, the end of Sabbath all got better and better and better with him being able to, to sing um and so that was always there with Aussie with his albums was that his vocals, he was always trying to do really great melodic kind of stuff. And then of course you have riffs, which, you know, are the do the riffs stand out, but there are plenty of songs where there's an amazing riff, but the song around it is not necessarily as strong as the riff. And then there's, there's also songs that I think are really well written, but there's not that hook riff that you're just like, yeah. So, you know, all these things, you know, go together and some albums just have a whole bunch of all of it. And I think that Bark at the Moon 
just it's miss it's missing some of the uh it, it maybe it maybe in my in my brain it suffers the same kind of thing that no rest for the wicked does where it's kind of, it feels kind of transitional it's a new new guitar player um moving on with with you know doing the band after the loss of Randy Rhodes to be fair he moved i mean he f- kept touring after Randy Rhodes died with a different guitar player um but but uh yeah i just think bark at the moon is really it's a really fun 80s metal album but there wasn't as many like boxes ticked for me where i just went oh it's got these particular songs or this particular riff or this you know it's and so it has less of that whereas my top 3 are just fucking loaded mm-hmm. with all sorts of great shit that um make them some of the best metal albums ever. So anyway, then that moves us on. Bark at the Moon moves us into our number three. So yeah, let's find let's find out. We because we're not going to match up on our number threes, but we could match up on our top two. Yeah, it has it has potential. Uh, my number three is Diary of a Madman. Okay. Yeah, we're not we're not matched here, and it's fantastic. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's fucking fantastic. It, it is uh, like from start to finish, such a consistently good album. Uh, I mean, it kicks off with "Over the Mountain," man. Like that's an opening song. fucking love it yeah i can't help but sing it in that in the accent (laughs) it just works so well and then immediately follow that up with flying high again Mm -hmm. Uh, that's a great great fun song can't kill rock and roll yeah yeah little dolls tonight uh sato sato uh and diary of a madman dude like which which one is it? Is it believer that goes don't yeah yeah oh that song that's a, that's a killer riff yeah that that's that could be that could be my favorite on the album next to over the mountain but like dude what an epic closer the title track is like yeah. Yeah. like with that choir thing going on it's so fucking cool like yep. and the production is so much better on this album yep so much better like miles miles above the previous album um it's just got a lot more weight a lot more ambience um fun fun fact uh this was the first vinyl lp i ever bought Oh, nice! Yeah, it, I had, I had two singles prior to this. I had um, the first ever vinyl record I got was in a Metal Hammer magazine, and it was Locust by Machine Head when that came out. Yeah, uh, but then shortly afterwards, I remember Metallica put out a like thirtieth anniversary special magazine or something that came out at the time oh, yeah and yeah. that had that little seven inch you mm-hmm. have you've got it surely that i one don't with that. i actually don't have that 
Oh, okay. Oh, I have. So- I've got we- something you don't have. <laughs> we- 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 weirdly enough, I bought it when it came out. Like I had, yeah. I had that years ago, and then I think I may have sold it because I didn't. I wasn't collecting records at the time. Uh, um, and I think like I read the magazine and I wasn't, cause like I was at that point I was poor and I wasn't collecting anything. Right. Like, co- collecting wasn't a thing for me. So I bought it cause I'm, Oh, it's Metallica. But then like, once I read the thing, I was like, all right, I'm going to, I think I'll give it to somebody or so. I don't even know what I did with it. It's just, it's gone now. But, Damn. That could be a collector's item now. I'm sure it like, is. Yeah. But uh, I remember I had that, I had those two and then I happened to be walking around this is, uh, I am about to do possibly the most Cornish thing I've ever done on this show. Uh, we have a place in this county called Par Market. Now, Par Market is a market in a place called Par. And it <laughs> run, it runs the gambit of, it is, it, it is, a, it is a wild place. You, you can buy a whole lot of stuff there. It's like a, Say indoor market full of like multiple different stalls and things like that. And there, there used to be, I'm not sure if it's still there, but there used to be this like really cool, um, CD slash, um, just multimedia store. And he only had like a few records, it was much more, uh, DVDs, CDs, tapes, yeah. VHS. There was just all sorts there, like fun little trinkets. These are the sort of stalls that you would find in. It's this. like a flea market, kind of. Yeah, yeah, it's a fl- it's yeah. a flea market basically. Now okay. it, it has it has been kind of upscaled and gentrified a little bit over the last few years. But I remember mm-hmm. when I went and got, I went and got Diary of a Madman. This gnarled up first pressing, like this was a lived in, well loved, yeah. still played really well, but yeah. this was a very loved album that had tragically managed to find its way onto the floor of a flea market, just laying there, not even in a crate, it just flat laying down on the floor. And it was like one of those movies, movie moments where you're like, you see like a glow from around a corner and you pull like a rock back and you find this like golden idol or some shit. Right. That was me with this album where I was like, my God, I've, I've never, I had like, 13 year old me realizing he'd never held like an lp before and yeah. i picked it up and it was like finding this uh you know ancient relic to the point where i looked inside i opened it up and i looked inside this was before i even took the record out and it had in there the date and it was a, like a first pressing it was a first pressing mm-hmm. and it it even had the Woolworths tag in it. Now Woolworths oh, nice. is a long since closed down retailer in yeah. in the UK. I can like this is one of those things that makes me feel old now. When did Woolworths when did Woolworths go away? I don't know. Uh do you want to know what's so sad? This company ran for 99 years oh man oh wait oh wait did it yeah yeah it lasted for 99 years um i believe i I mean i could be talking out of my ass either way i remember when it went defunct and it was like one of the saddest days of my life because they had 
the best pick and mix of all time. Yeah. Like the the goat, the absolute goat of pick and mix. And when I say that, it's not five-year-old me distorting the truth. <laughs> I'm telling you now, these fucking pick and mixes were like three aisles in size. Mm-hmm. It was ridiculous. And I remember I, I I just resorted to getting like one of everything in the end into a bag. And I would get to the counter. It was like that big. <laughs> Not realizing at the time that it probably came to about 25 quid. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, that, that's a that's a fun little fun little tangent. I get a major nostalgia trip when I see this um, album cover because I just think of that experience of not only being reminded of Woolworths but also being, you know, holding an original pressing of that. Yeah, and it, and yeah. Did, did you did did they sell it to you for cheap? Because <laughs> yeah, I'm pr- I'm pretty sure it was like three quid. Okay, because like, I was like, I was like, you can't act like it's anything great because then they're going to charge you more for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I made very sure to quickly go like full poker face and be like, Can I have those you know what? I'm not sure if I want to get this because I can get it a lot of other places. But how much you want for it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. these are just lying around on the floor everywhere you go. So you know, just maybe two, you can't two. get away from these fucking things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 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 great. It's it's a excellent 80s metal album one of the best of 81 cool and, um, it, and it came out in october which is perfect yeah <laughs> all right so moving on to my number three uh my number three is blizzard of oz from 1980s i uh, 1980s no eight the actual year 1980 mm. um when it yeah anyway uh randy rhodes crazy train that's you know mm. what else what else you say really um, the, the, my, yeah, my favorite, my favorite thing about this album is the fact that, um, you know, also being a, a black Sabbath fan, the fact that Ozzy rebounded, but didn't just start making Sabbath sounding music by himself. Crazy train does not sound like a black Sabbath song. So no. that's why like, I think it's so great that he just managed to not only keep his career going, but just immediately showed everybody like, look, I don't, you know, I, I do not need all those guys in black Sabbath. You know, it's, you know, I, I, I could do very well on my own and he did and continued to do very well on his own. Um, and, uh, but this, this, this album, we talked about it. Production's not, not great, but it's got a lot of iconic songs on it. It does. I mean, you know, Mr. Crowley's on it, Suicide Solution, Suicide Solution. So I, so here's the thing. This might be like in my, I, I don't know. I have to check, but I don't, I don't remember. But in, in the, you know, in the, the Aussie documentary, I always like to talk about, uh, um, don't blame me. The, the, prosecutor guy or whoever's trying to get him on like you know having hidden satanic messages or whatever in his music he claims in the video that there's a part in suicide solution where you hear ozzy come just yelling stuff and he's claiming that he's yelling get the gun shoot 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 get the gun shoot 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 and and i know what he's talking about and i've never known what he's saying there and I don't think it's actually in the line, the lyrics in the album. 
But on Apple Music, if you're just looking in the lyrics, it's written out in there. And I don't even know if it's correct or not. It says that he says, get the plans out. And then he says, Satan. And Satan is like echoey. And he goes, get the plans out. Satan, Satan. Like, that's like, you know. (laughs) And I'm like, is that actually really what he's saying? Because I know he's not saying get the gun, shoot. But it's just... um, it's one of those things where I never knew exactly what he was saying. I'm like, did Apple Music just give me some trivia? Like, I didn't know he was saying, get the plans out. Get the plans out. Anyway. Yeah, it's, it, it says here on, uh, if you t- if you type it into Google, it says, get the plans out, Satan, Satan, Satan. Yeah. Yeah. But but, but yeah. I, I never knew that because I don't think in the album, I don't think it says anything for those lyrics. I just think it it's not considered a verse or a chorus, so there's nothing... Mm-hmm. written anyway i just thought that was interesting but i i yeah the, this album is it got with my top three it got really difficult because my two and my three swapped um at the last minute well they, and they swapped earlier but it's just like because these top three albums they have so much going for them but with blizzard of oz as good as the album is if you take crazy train out of it and compare it to the other two albums that I'll be talking about. And then, you know, the added, the added thing of the production not being as good. I'm like, okay, all right. Now I, I see that like that this album has a lot of strengths and it's undeniably iconic, but it's just a, it's a great album that happens to have crazy train on it. Cause I, cause I've always thought that I don't know, isn't like the best song just because lyrically speaking, I'm like, ah, it's okay. And the riff is just okay. Um, but it's, but once again, that might just be me being uh, spoiled because uh, of all the great metal riffs that I've known in my life. But, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it, but I, I put it at number three. Cause I'm like, yeah, it's a, it's an amazing album and a, an amazing debut of a you know solo artist, but he did, there are two albums that, basically two different eras of Ozzy that I'm just like, this is where it, he nailed every aspect of it, in my opinion. So mm-hmm. Lizard of Oz ends up being uh, number three. So I, we could match up with number two. Possibly. Mm-hmm. I don't know. We'll find out. After this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I know we're not because... My number two is No Rest for the Wicked. Oh, yeah. Okay. Nope. Okay. Yeah. So this one, uh, the Zach Wilde album before No More Tears. Yes. And I have long felt that this is a very underrated album. Mm-hmm. I feel like it's, it's, the, it's the 80s Aussie album that doesn't get talked about. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody's always like, you know, everybody gushes over the randy era people tend to be torn on the jake e lee stuff Mm -hmm. um everybody unanimously agrees that no more tears fucking slaps but no rest for the wicked man like i i definitely i feel the same way about it as i feel about girls 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 by motley Crue. it's kind of this like forgotten but no less worthwhile album in the discography like in the story of the band because mm-hmm. like you watch 
you watch The Dirt by Motley Crue. I'm just going to kind of contextualize what I'm what I'm talking about here. You yeah. watch The Dirt by Motley Crue. They don't really go over the girls, girls, girls era. There's like one part where Tommy's on a bender and they're playing that song. Yeah. But but they pretty much go through a montage of, you know, they, they cover the early days with um, Too Fast for Love. They definitely cover Shout at the Devil. They absolutely talk about what a mess the Theater of Pain era was. Yeah. Um, and then girls 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 wait hang on we're already at dr feelgood well i mean to be fair they they have they they have that they have this this massive book to fit into 90 minutes yeah which so you know i i I got that it's weird we're talking about motley crew right now but i i love that movie i do too i do i i thought even you know you can't yeah a lot of people were like well they didn't get this right or this right i'm like well maybe tell the band that because they approve the fucking movie <laughs> yeah but they um but i but yeah i did there are a couple moments that i wish that they had hit on and they didn't and i'm like well yeah it would have to have been at least another half hour of a movie for them to really yeah. get into that stuff so for what it was it was a movie that kept moving and then uh mm. and then that's it but yeah, I get, I, I get I get what you're saying that there's if they made an Aussie movie, I have a feeling that No Rest for the Wicked, the, the all they would cover is that he meets Zach Wild, and then all of a yeah. sudden they're making No More Tears. <laughs> yeah, I I definitely get that vibe from this album. It definitely feels like, to me, like I said, it feels like the the forgotten but no less thoroughly enjoyable album. Um, yeah. The I mean, kicking it off with Miracle Man, that is a statement of intent right there. You've yeah. got, you know, Randy has the claim to fame of having Crazy Train. Yeah. Jakey e. Lee has the claim to fame of having Bark at the Moon. So this guy is thinking, right, okay, I've got to come out swinging. Comes out with Miracle Man, just such a cool riff and a cool song to open things up with. Uh, and I agree with you in the sense that I kind of feel the same way about this album as I, as I do girls, 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 you said it's like a party. This is just, just sounds like a bunch of guys making kick-ass rock and roll music in the late eighties. Yeah. I can't believe I've never put two and two together before, but I could definitely listen to both of those albums and just keep the fucking rager going, you know? Yeah. Um, but I mean, devil's daughter, holy war. Crazy Babies and Breaking All the Rules back to back is a good time. I love Breaking All the Rules and I love mm-hmm. I love the fact that the bass is kind of cranked up in that song, which yeah. on an album that is pretty treble heavy, I'm not going to lie that that al- this album if I was going to give it any fault, it's pretty high-endy, but when the heavy bits are given the weight they deserve, it's, it's kick-ass sounded i love bloodbath in paradise fire in the sky teddy dancer demon alcohol hero um and even the liar which was originally only on the japanese version but i've got a cd version of Mm -hmm. it um that came out later but either way i have a great time with this album Mm -hmm. um although i will say the one thing i can say about miracle man i don't know if this is on this is an issue with just the remaster or something. 
But the talk box miracle man mm-hmm. is so loud in the mix. Like I'll have that song fucking cranked, and then you know, like um, the song will be going, you know, miracle man. And it's like, whoa, fuck! Holy I don't, shit! I don't remember it being very loud. It always sounds very cool to me in the mix. So I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's a, maybe that's a remastering thing, or M- might something. have just been. Uh, it might have just been my car stereo at the time was also a certain EQ to whatever it. whatever effect you call that. I love it when bands do that and they don't do it enough. I uh, want well, talk box. Is it the, a talk box? Yeah, yeah. It would it, it would have to be. I'm sure. I'm no. sure. You, is it? No, I don't think that's a, no. Because talk box is like what he uses in like Kickstart My Heart and stuff. That's that's got a very distinct sound. This is like a synthesized voice. You know. Oh, I don't know now. I'll have to almost, look that up. Almost like he, they loaded him saying Miracle Man into a keyboard and they're just playing it. And he's Miracle Man. Like whatever it is, it's a certain sound that I'm that I'm like, I love that. I love it when bands do that weird, weird robot <laughs> kind of thing because people don't I'll, do it enough. Yeah, I'll have to, I'll have to listen to that because I've thought for like at least a full 10 years that it's a talk box, but I'm pretty sure it's, I don't think it is, but I mean, I could be wrong, but I, it sounds different to me. It's very, Mm. very synthy. I mean, it, I mean, it is an eighties album. Everything is like dripping in a layer of (laughs) of, uh, processing, but yeah, it might, maybe, maybe not. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe it was originally a talk box and they just put some synth over it to make it sound that way. Whatever they did, it sound. I've always really liked that. It does sound cool, um, but yeah, it's it's a fun album. It's yeah. a it's a fun yeah. album. Um, it's one of those underrated albums for me. And I, when I latch onto an album, I think is underrated. I'm kind of ride or die for it. You know. Oh, it's uh, same here. I am yeah. same here. I understand that totally. So um, you know, with that, that's narrowed it down to to my number one. But over to you. Yeah, we we are we're absolutely not going to match up at all. But um, okay. my number two was originally like f- when I first thought about this, it was my number one, and then I moved it to number three, and then at the last minute I went, "Fuck it, I can't put this at number three. Uh, number two is No More Tears from 1991. Sweet. Because um, when I started overthinking myself, because No More Tears is a super nostalgic album for me, because it was the you know I was a you know thir- thirteen years old when this came out. And um, and it, it was the first Ozzy album I ever bought, and I've just loved it ever since. So I'm like, well, is it really that great, or am I just very nostalgic for it? But it's jam packed with killer songs. Of, yeah. of not o- not only like big old rockers, but also a couple of like really great ballads that really hold up even today. And yeah. To the point where the title track was uh, became a TikTok sound. It did. Yeah, you know that like the light in the window is a crack uh-huh. in the sky. It people would frame it where it's like me minding my own business. Then it would come my boyfriend about to tell me something fucked up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But but yeah, the, the, I lo- I love this one because it's like Ozzy. Ozzy Osbourne kind of got reborn in 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 1980, and then he gets kind of reborn again in 1991 because 
sure, he was still popular because he was Aussie, but I think No More Tears took it up to not only a, a higher level, but also bringing him over to a newer generation of fans. Yeah. And it almost seems like every 10 years he kind of was doing that because early 2000s, all of a sudden you have the Osbournes. He, he, it's like he's... Man's like, a fucking he, time lord, he's, dude. He he's regenerates. The, he's the Madonna <laughs> of metal. And yeah. he just, he's constantly reinventing himself. And so, um, but, you know, just looking at the track listing, though, of all these fucking songs, yeah. Um, even the ones that, like, I don't think are as strong, they're they're earworm. Like, Zombie Stomp gets in my head all the fucking time. Yeah. And that's not an amazing and song, I- but it's just in my head. I'm just like, well, that's saying something about that song. Mm. Um, but yeah, this is just an album that I've loved ever since I first heard it. And it is also has, you know, the added bonus of being an album produced in 1991. So it sounds fantastic. Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's just like such a fucking strong album the uh, the the only the, the only joke and this is God the, the, I, I I can't be the only one that makes this joke, but I I make myself laugh every time. Is the is what's the song called A V H or something like that? A V H. Yeah. Um, is that the one where the, the the chorus of the song is him singing? I'm riding on a train that I can't control, and I'm always yeah. like, oh, oh, oh Ozzy, kind of like a. Crazy train. Crazy train. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, you remember you already wrote the song about the train. Remember? Remember that, remember that? back in the yeah. day? Um, <laughs> but it's just but that song all of a sudden gets a new life for, because it just makes me laugh. Because in my head I'm all like, Ozzy, come on, train the trains can't control the train, it's crazy. Trains. <laughs> anyway, uh Thomas the train. So um anyway. <laughs> um but yeah because like so so i had this at number three but then i kept having songs from this album just in my head and i'm like oh it's no there's no way because it'd be number three um in fact i have no problem with it being number one but uh but i i couldn't i couldn't live with myself with that so um number two ends up being no more tears which leads us into you because this is your number one it is my number one, and for good reason. It slaps from start to finish. Mm-hmm. Like, good lord, Mister Tinker Train, immediately leading into "I Don't Want to Change the World." Now, this is a really well sequenced album. When I'm yeah, when I'm talking about, I agree. Like, like every every uh, every problem I've had with every other Aussie album doesn't exist here. Mm-hmm. Like, this is. I feel like no album in this discography plays to his strengths better than this album does. This is taken to the logical conclusion that anything made in the early 90s sounds fucking <laughs> fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, you know, there's there's the right amount of every frequency going on. There's a chunky weight to everything. Yeah. There's a fuckload of ambience to it. It is this album to me is is a prime example of the perfect marriage of the 80s era and the 90s era briefly coexisting in this pocket of time that gave us in my opinion 
the best sounding rock albums ever recorded. And you know what? I'm going to take that even further, because if you go to the early 90s and you listen to albums from, quote unquote, indie labels, not major label albums, those even sound good. Punk albums from the early 90s, like like there are so many albums in different ways that there's just such a high quality to everything. And, and like, and, and not like being overproduced. The, the, none of it sounds overproduced to me. It sounds like there was just something in the air and everybody yeah. that was recording an album was just fucking nailing it. And, and I miss that a lot. Yeah. Like, you know, you know, I'm, there was a time in my life where I would have been like, there's no bad eighties metal. Yeah. <laughs> now, now I can turn around and say, Hey, look, sign in, please, by autograph. Probably hasn't aged very well. I love it because, you know, I love that era, but I can yeah. recognize a thin-sounding mix. Yeah. On the, on the flip side, No More Tears has atmosphere and weight in mm-hmm. equal measure. This is why this era is so near and dear to both of us because I, I think it speaks volumes that, you know, I grew up on a lot of this music through, um, you know, video games because they were set in those times, you know, so, so I effectively lived the uh, eras I love vicariously through those. Yeah. So it, you know, I wasn't there, but I got pretty much as close as someone my age could to it. You know. I was trying. I'm trying to look up uh, who who recorded this because I was like, is it Ted Templeman that did this one? Uh, oh no, it's no, it's. Uh, I don't even know who this is. It's Dwayne Barron, was producer, Dwayne engineer, Barron and John Prudell, John P- Michael Prudell. Wagner did the mixing. He's he's well known. He did a lot of shit. I don't know why I thought it was Ted Templeman because, but um, uh, but yeah, wh- whoever was you know all the the people involved, even Michael Bosley on engineering all those people the um uh, the the whatever it is um they fucking did a great job and and that's the thing is that there were so many different producers uh that were <coughs> nailing it in their respective ways so yeah i just i love man i love that era of of music yeah and i haven't even talked about fucking hellraiser yet oh, like, <laughs> yeah like like, man, Hellraiser is not only near and dear to me because of GTA San Andreas and its presence on the Radio X station, mm-hmm. but it's just such a vibe of a song, man. Yeah. There is there is something about dr- driving in a car on a summer sunset with the windows down as the sun is about to go down wind flowing through your hair and you just got that like just it's a really cool track because it's quite sparse but when it comes Mm -hmm. in it just hits so hard yeah and like man no more tears that is a song that is a longer song where not a single second is wasted. Yeah, I've always really liked the little, the 
I don't know, the the keyboardy interlude kind of thing or whatever. Yeah. I've always thought that was that was a very cool touch to the song. Um and the way it comes out of it, it's yeah, it's really it's really well done. That guitar solo is something straight out of the Bill and Ted era. It is like that if I was gonna describe a like lead guitar line as most triumphant, it's yeah. that like oh i love that yeah it's Um, man desire i love desire like Mm -hmm. and that's a deep cut that had every right that song had every right to be a number one fucking rock single yeah it's one of the album's deeper cuts not even yeah not even a single but it still has the strength to be one who made the call to not have that as a single they, <laughs> like, prob- they probably just c- capped it off and said well we've we've done five i mean how many single tinker train mom i'm coming home <coughs> uh no i don't want tears. to change the world hellraiser hellraiser road to nowhere um time after time those were all singles <laughs> Fuck, man. road so, to um, nowhere so good too like that's yeah, such a great that is ballad. probably Guy has to be up there with one of the best album closers. It's just a really, it really caps everything off perfectly in this album. Yeah. And again, this is one of those things where I didn't realize, um, because I, I bought the CD versions, I didn't realize that Road to Nowhere was the last song until very recently because there oh. there's, there's Don't Blame Me and yeah, Party just with like, the Animals. Ju- yeah, just like uh, Midnight Cowboy is the last song on angel dust and it and it, it caps it off perfectly you don't put anything else after that <laughs> you didn't stay after the credits dude there's an no. after the credits scene where they play easy nope my cassette stopped playing auto stop because that's the end of the album and that's yes. where you that's where you would take the songs to make love to ep <laughs> <laughs> which hadn't come out yet so yeah i go. know i know but like it's one of those things where if if now i know this is kind of sacrilege you know this is me going back on things i've said in the past but i've only ever known angel dust oh with yeah having easy on the end so yeah. for me if i can't leave it there it, i've mm-hmm. always had easy there it is easy's like a Easy's like the hug after a traumatic experience, you know, but in a yeah. good way, you know, because yeah. Angel Dust is a, you know, despite the fact that I'm never not in the mood for it, it is one hell of a ride. So yeah. it's nice. It's nice to have something calm and reassuring at the end. Yeah. Even if Midnight Cowboy does that, but I like a little extra pat on the back. You know, you, you, know, it. It, you know, and, it, and it's, it, and it, it could be, you could say the same thing for people that, didn't get the CD version of Nevermind. And they're like, well, something in the way is what closes off the album. And I'm all like, uh, yeah. no, it doesn't. <laughs> I mean, that's a great song, but the album doesn't conclude until Endless Nameless plays. That's yeah. uh that's how it works. But um but yeah when you when you when you bought the cassette, like I did it first. Um yeah. there was no endless nameless, but once I had the CD, I've told that story before I think about how I fell yeah, asleep. Well, well you went to sleep and then you woke up to this noise that was happening and you were like it's a song that i'd never heard before and i was like holy shit um but yeah that's that's one of those things where i'm just like that's it's very rare that there's a hidden song that i think is essential and that's one of them yeah i would say but um anyway road to to me is a great closer how do you feel about uh gallons of rubbing alcohol flow through the strip well that wasn't originally on the album 
Ah, uh, I see. Oh, okay. Yeah, the original album ended with with All Apologies, which is one of the best album clover, closers of all time. That um, That's what <clears throat> always puzzled me about the version I have, is All Apologies is such a good closer. And then the, it... But, as a result of that, it ends up being this thirty-minute track. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, no, that, that's yeah, the the original CD and everything. Uh, Gallons of rubbing alcohol was on was a single was on was a B side. Yeah, um, of of I don't know what it was. I have it, but I don't know what I don't remember what single it was on. Anyway, but yeah, that, that's that. I mean, I guess that's just a it's a it's a a byproduct of the boom in like people wanting to get reissues and remasters and re-releases and you know everyone expects there to be extra stuff and then eventually that album becomes the standard that everybody knows and so you know it's it, it is what it is but it's the problem is, is that i think 99 percent of people don't give a shit i'm just one of those weird people that's just like nope the album ends with this and it's perfect <laughs> don't fuck with that um if you're gonna give me bonus material put it on another disc so there's a definite separation between, Fair. you know, whatever. But anyway, cool. Back so, to back to no more tears. Are you done with no more tears? I I'm I'm pretty done. Uh, let's have a look. Did I talk about? You talk about time after time. It's a good one. Time after time. Uh, fucking great. Uh, you know what? I'm just going to say it now. Mr. Tinker Train, fucking great. I don't want to change the world. Amazing. Mama, I'm coming home. Absolute tearjerker. Desire. Yeah. Should have been a single. Mm-hmm. No More Tears. Iconic. Yeah. Uh, Sin. Awesome. Yeah. Hellraiser. Timeless. Fucking amazing song. Time After Time. Awesome. Zombie Stomp. Hellacious. Mm-hmm. Uh, AVH. Really fun. Uh, and Road to Nowhere, again, like you say, is is one of the greatest album closers. Yeah. Yeah. I I even even with the high praise that this album gets, I still think it's underrated in terms of in terms of metal albums. Yeah. Yeah. Like like it, it granted it has a fuckload of commercial success for it, but I feel like it it I th- I think it's amazing. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Cool. But to me, not quite as amazing as my number hey. one, which is Diary of a Madman from 1981. That's right, Holly. It's 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 my number one. Um, so if this was one of those things where like I was originally was like, oh, no more tears is my favorite Ozzy album, I would think. But then I was like, I you I go and listen to Diary of a Madman and start thinking of it in my my ranking brain, my cranked and ranked brain. And I'm just like, man, this is such an improvement over what's already an iconic album. And it, it, I just went just going in through, through it and just like over the mountain flying high again, you can't kill rock and roll believer like that alone, that side. Holy yeah. shit. Um, but it's like in certain ways you could say that, you know, it, it, it's, it's neck and neck with, with uh, blizzard of Oz in certain aspects, but there's so many other aspects where it's superior. And I think that not only it it helps that like there was an improvement, I guess, in songwriting, but not, but just even in the production, the overall sound of the album, the flow of the album, everything. It's just, 
really well done. And once again, Diary of a Madman, amazing in ending song for an album. And I just think in the grand scheme of things with Ozzy, because like I said, he already proved himself with Blizzard of Oz that he doesn't need Black Sabbath, but to to go and are and immediately a year later improve on that, it, it's it's pretty baffling that you know he and and Randy and you know the other dudes whoever was was actually involved in the songwriting process. It's just it just feels it has that it has that second album energy uh, for me like a ride the lightning or whatever where it's yeah. just that you feel a momentum but the momentum is backed up by amazing songs that as opposed to like crazy train, crazy train, amazing song on its own. It's iconic. It's its own thing. Die of a madman. It feels like all, no one song is the song that's like, Oh, this is the song of diary of a madman. Uh, Not to me anyway. I feel like that there's so many standout moments on the album that it's like, taking what they did with crazy train and it's an entire album of that like just this is all one big piece of this amazing early 80s metal and i mean i i have such a weird weird thing in my brain with with saying metal with so much of this music just like when we did judas priest and i'm just like yeah some of it is metal-ish but a whole lot of it is just hard rock music yeah. but um which we definitely have to revisit Priest at some point now that I'm, I'm really on board with okay. uh, with with all... Pr- well, I mean, I still don't... Past Painkiller, like, I... There's nothing that totally grabs me and has made me want to start collecting all that stuff, but um, I still enjoy a lot of tracks. I think probably what happened with me... Sorry, this is a tangent again. Pro- cool. what's, what's happened with me is that I reached the 90s with Judas Priest... And now my obsession is with fight because I'm just like, okay, uh, yeah. how did I not know that fight fucking ruled so much? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, and then Bill I'm all like, okay, God. cool. I'm just gonna move into the in, in the Rob Halford area, and then the next thing I want to do is 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 listen to that that industrial album he made, you know, yeah. soon after that. Anyway, but um, but yeah, Diary of a Madman, I I think it it ticks the boxes of not only just being an amazing album, but I think it has like a, an aura to it um, of Ozzy at his, his most like something to prove, you know, I guess you could say the same thing with no more tears, which is why it's my number, number two, but Mm. diary of a madman to me, just, it's just such a well done album that, um, it had to be number one, uh, and it's it's just the, to me it's like the best example. If somebody, depending on who you're talking to, you know, this one or No More Tears would be like, I don't know much about Ozzy. What should I listen to? Start with Diary of a Madman. It gives you an idea of where he came from, and then No More Tears is where he kind of was at the pinnacle, you know, of everything. So I I just think that, um, yeah, my top three are just fucking. I mean, I don't know. I love all these albums. All the, I mean, I, all the all six of these behind me on this. I love all six of these albums. So yeah. it's it's tough to to rank them, but pretty happy with Diary of a Madman being at number one. So come to think of it, I'm trying to think which Aussie albums do I have on vinyl. 
I've got di I've definitely got diary and I've I'm pretty sure I've got bark in the moon I actually think I've got the um European version of bark in the moon oh, okay so that'd be cool to I, have both I, versions I have a I, I have a weird thing because like you know I, I I get in those in these things where I want to collect original versions of albums yeah but for some reason whenever I do that, my search is always for the U S version of the album. Hmm. So all my Judas priest albums I have, they're all from the years they came out. They're all the U S pressings. Hmm. And it's, I think it's because I'm like, well, this is the version I would have bought if I was buying yeah. it. If back in, you know, in 1986 or whatever, I bought turbo. Um, this is the version I would have bought of it. The U S version of turbo. Um, and so I, I just, that's how I've been. So that's why these are all, well, I mean, uh, uh, no more tears is a, is a repress, a recent repress, which actually sounds really good. The rest of these are OG us pressings. And I don't know why that's just the, that's just my thing. Cause I'm like, ah, oh, you know what? I'm American. This is what I would have bought. Um, so most of the time that's what I do. Occasionally I get European pressings because sometimes there's, they're more readily available. Um, mm. especially when you get later into the eighties, but Anyway, Tell nobody, need, nobody, nobody needed that whole thing that I just said. I was just... <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was just going to tell you a cool little anecdote about a pressing of, um, if I recall correctly, your favorite Judas Priest album, which was Defenders of the Faith. I mean, it, it's it's all up in the air now, but yeah. Defenders, Turbo, uh, Ram It Down, that's like that chunk of albums. I love those. So Yeah, I remember I... I I couldn't afford it at the time, so I didn't get it. But I was in a record record shop somewhere, and I happened upon it, and it was like a very well loved copy of Defenders. But it had a sticker on it that said, like, something to the effect of, it, you know, in in accordance with the whole motorbike shtick of Judas Priest. There was a sticker on the front cover of this Defenders pressing that said. Uh, win a win a free Suzuki bike, and like from 1984. So you could have won a motor motorcycle from a copy of Defenders of the Faith. Yeah, yeah. I wonder yeah. who I wonder who won that. That's fine. That's the kind of thing that I would want to know. All these all these you know contests that happened in the 80s i you sometimes yeah. you can find videos about the people who won them but other ones i'm just like who won that who won the suzuki let me have a quick look see if i can track this down uh defenders of the faith suzuki competition judas priest Let's have a look here. Uh, Judas Priest, Defenders of the Faith, um, UK pressing notes, printed inner sleeve uh, with lyrics. Early copies were released with a competition insert. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, fun little thing. I, I believe it was about the Suzuki bike. So, yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. Does he still do that? Does he still ride a, ride a motor motorcycle onto the stage when they play shows? I'm pretty sure. Uh, oh, here, here it is. I, I have a I have a photo of it. Hang on, I'm going to send it to you in oh, real sweet. time. Yeah, here you go. 
says uh, win three Suzuki motorbikes entry form inside. Wow. That's so metal, dude. <laughs> that's 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 fun as hell. But I'm just now. Yeah, but I really want to know like who won who won those and yeah. Are they still alive? They still have the bikes. They probably don't. But um, <laughs> riding yeah, a Suzuki in the eighties. I mean, yeah. that's a fifty fifty. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah, they, yeah they, they, they and the bikes did not survive. Yeah. <laughs> All right, One too anyway. many coked out beer runs. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's uh, that's the ending <laughs> of our of our uh, Ozzy our two parter of Ozzy Osbourne. And so, as usual, we're going to celebrate uh, by doing what we normally do, which is this: three, two, one, yeah. yeah! We did, we did it! God bless you. Go crazy! <laughs> um, all right. Oh, I really hurt my nuts. <laughs> How did you do that? I sat on them. It's <laughs> <laughs> a hell of a way to end the show, man. <laughs> Okay. Oh my gosh. Okay. All right. Um PSA. Um be careful. Don't sit on your nuts. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen. Wasn't there a um, thing about Mr. Belvedere? One episode he sat on his own nuts. In Mr. Belvedere? <laughs> yeah, no, apparently it was like an onset mishap where someone sat on their own nuts. Oh, okay. Not not yeah. it wasn't a story in an episode. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it this been. week, I, I a know. very special episode of Mr. Belvedere. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mr. Mr. Belvedere bowls. First thing that comes up. <laughs> okay. Uh what is it? Um <laughs> that infamous Mr. Belvedere story is actually true. Uh, what does it say? Uh, <laughs> Mr. Belvedere injured his testicles. This one, it turns out, is no urban legend. Yes, it's true. Mr. Belvedere did sit on his own balls. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is, oh my God, where is that? Is it in an episode or was it just a story? I uh, it's just it appears to just be a story. Uh, let me let me. <laughs> uh, one of my favorite Adam Sandler stories was the one he told us about that time Mr. Belvedere sat on his own balls. <laughs> Adam had a small part on the show Mr. Belvedere early in his career. On his first day, everyone was sitting at a huge table waiting to start the read through of that week's show. The old guy who played Mr. Belvedere hadn't shown up yet, so everybody was drinking coffee and talking until he arrived. Finally, Mr. Belvedere walked in in a sweatsuit and a matching monogram <laughs> attached. Oh, fuck. Attached case. When the old guy took his seat, he sang out, Good morning, everybody, like a British Ted Baxter. As he took a load off, he apparently sat on one of his testicles with his nuts <laughs> scrunched under his leg, and he screamed, Oh! and had to be carried out on a stretcher. No way! <laughs> yeah. He was... Good he God. Was, what, a, what an entrance that is. You're all like, I'm late, but I'm the star of the show. Ow, my nuts! Everybody call, the, call an ambulance. Um, I don't know why you became like a Irish man, but anyway. Um, who the fuck played Mr. Belvedere? Oh shit! 
It's the fact that Mr. Belvedere Bowles is the first thing that comes up now. Oh, yeah, Mr. B- I don't even remember <clears throat> anything else that guy did that played Mr. Belvedere. Oh, man. That's literally, I mean, I, I don't even remember. I, I mean, I remember seeing the show because it was on, you know, when I was, I was old enough to watch and remember, you know, TV. But, um, but yeah, I literally don't, I, I don't remember much about that show at all. <laughs> Chris well, after you're Hewitt. done with Miami Vice, you can cue up Mr. 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 Belvedere. Yeah. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I won't be able to watch it the same way ever again because I'm just going to imagine him sitting on his own balls. You'll, you'll be thinking every, every episode, now, was this the one where he sat on his own yeah. pants? <laughs> Does he have that post nad sitting look on his face? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> How recently? How was that trip to the hospital? He had to, to go to the hospital and they're like, what brings you here today? <laughs> I've sat down. Wrong. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. <laughs> Can um, you imagine? Anyway, uh. so little little did we know there's so that Mr. Belvedere and Eddie Sparks have so much in common. <laughs> <laughs> um, on oh, that geez. note, that's that's a good way to end. Uh thank thank you to all the peanut butter platypuses and aluminium squirrels and <laughs> Belvedere ball centers. <laughs> <laughs> if, 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 for those, if you've made it this far in the episode and you enjoyed it, uh, you're just put in your comment Belvedere ball sitter. And I'll know that you're otherwise you, known as the nutler. The, <laughs> the, the nutler. <laughs> that was good. Um, uh, all right. Anyway, all right. We, there's no way we're going to top that, so we got to end it there. Thank you very much. We're going to be back next week uh, with another year, right? We're doing a year episode. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our top, our top ten of a year uh, next episode, um, and it's a, it's a '90s year, and it's a great mm. one. It's going to be yeah. a very fun uh, episode. So I hope you enjoyed Ozzy, and then of course you know, we got another band ranking coming down the road a little bit. Uh, but thank you for being here for this one, for this two-parter. And this has been a, a kind of a lengthy episode. So thank you for, for sticking around. Um, so we're going to leave you to it. And as usual, I'm going to throw it over to Eddie Sparks to take us out. God bless you. Let the dude go fucking crazy. Ouch, my balls. <laughs> <laughs>